I'm a true to green. You might know me from things like Euroblast Festival, Dane County Humane Society, and Dig. Welcome to the Intruder Green Podcast. How's everybody doing on this crazy, wowie, zowie, wopsy, wobbly world we're living in where everybody's, uh, you know, worried about getting sick and all that stuff? Sorry to bring it up again. I know everybody's probably tired of hearing about it right now. I know I am. A uh, little disclaimer or uh, spoiler alert, whatever you want to call it. Intruder Green got a little sick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty bad. Don't know if it was Corona or what, but, uh, you know, uh, I would say that regardless of, uh, you know, getting the coronavirus or whatever you get these days, it's better to just, uh, avoid it at all costs. Well, maybe not all costs. I mean, that's a bold statement. You know what I mean? Like I would say whatever it takes, but like, you know, that, that you could do some fucked up shit trying to avoid the coronavirus and uh, it might not really be worth it because you could probably beat it and uh, still be okay but if you like commit murder or something then uh, you know that's like a thing that you can't that's like a line that you cross and then you can't go back oh that's fucked up anyway uh the producers of the Intruder Green podcast are Luke Ellis, Heather Royston, Gem City Sabrina, Vaughn Cotton, Sarah Koenig, Chelsea McNally, Cardboard Box Colony, and Carlos Hernandez. If you guys want to become a producer of the podcast, you just hit me up on a Patreon, patreon.com slash Intruder Green. I know everybody is like pretty uh, strapped for cash these days with uh, what's probably going to happen with the economy and all that. Um, I don't know if everybody's feeling it already or not. But I know that it's probably going to happen in uh, in the near future where uh, people, uh, you know, you, you got to be smart about your money these days. So I would say the smartest thing to do is, uh, you know, get on that Patreon. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but, you know, I will take your money if you want to give it to me. So uh, anyway, uh, you can also get, get me on an Intruder Green call in line. It's plus 1608-535-9608. Leave me a message and maybe I'll play it on the show or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so on this uh, episode, we got Mrs. Smith. She's, uh, I don't know, she's, she, we kind of get into it about, uh, her looking for her cat. Um, I don't know if she's just always looking for a cat or she just loves cats. She's a crazy cat lady. I mean, she's not that crazy. She's kind of like, I mean, we're all a little crazy, right? We talk a little bit about that on the podcast, but, uh, you know, she's a cat lady. She likes the cats and, uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm more of a dog person myself. Or maybe like a cool uh, domesticated raccoon. That'd be cool. That's kind of like a halfway point, right? Like a kind of a, like a extra cool cat with uh, extra. Don't they like wash their hands or something between meals when they eat naughty garbage? I don't know, something like that. Anyway, uh, it was a good time uh, talking to Mrs. Smith. Didn't really uh, know much about her other than she shreds on guitar and does a lot of like prog metal stuff. Um, which to me is like amazing. I don't even know how people can do that without like dedicating their whole lives to playing guitar and stuff. So the fact that she's just kind of like a, I don't know, some kind of genius when it comes to music. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, uh, without further ado, I'm with the show. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from Intruder Green. An inmate at the Neural Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. Ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Smith on the Intruder Green Podcast. All right. Hello, Intruder Green. Hello. Hello. It's nice to finally meet you. We've never actually met in person, have we? No, we have not. Um, of course, I follow you. I follow your band. I also follow Officer Bradford. Oh, yeah. And I keep up with your comings and goings on YouTube and Spotify and things like that. Oh, but yeah. I have not had a chance to see your band live yet, but okay. I'm very much looking forward to the spectacle. 
yeah, I hope that uh, we can change that. You know, uh, it's going to be hard to do in the uh, coming months here with every, all the crazy stuff that's going on. But uh, yeah, I, I and, and, and the same to you. I definitely follow you on the social medias and whatnot. And uh, I think actually the first time I knew about you was when you did a little thing on uh, that two minutes to late night show which uh, I guess we kind of have some yes. mutual friends there. Yes, of course. That's that's um, that's Jordan and Drew and the, and the whole gang over there. I did probably the Guitarist Wanted series. Is that right? Where I, I auditioned so. for a band. Yeah, you were like, uh, you know, you you. I think you you came in and the, uh, supposedly the band didn't know who you were. <laughs> it, it's hard to tell what's <laughs> real with those guys because. That that show is so amazing, and it's like I don't know. Did they actually? Is this all staged? Because I kind of believe it, but it that would be hard to pull off at the same time. So uh, it was pretty great, though, and uh, enjoyed your guitar playing, and uh, enjoy oh, you. Uh, you know everything you got going on. Except I wonder if you've uh, are you still looking for this cat or whatever? I don't even know. You know I follow you a lot, but. I haven't seen so much that you're looking for the cat lately as much as that you just love the cats. Carlisle is at large. Oh, shit. And I have gone through a very intense process with that. There are times when I've only ever looked for Carlisle, where it's been absolutely, um, I've been myopic, and I've suffered for that. Um, uh -huh. I've spent a lot of time in self-help groups, in yeah. therapy, and they would say, you know, the self-help group is for for instance, um, this group is for people with drinking problems, not for people with missing cat problems. And oh, I yeah. said, well, I feel like my missing cat's going to lead to a drinking problem. Yeah, but I believe it to be true. Re uh, regardless, he is still at large. And I, do I say he's missing or do I say he's not sharing my presence? I, I've, I've had to reframe it because he is well. He is thriving. He's flourishing. Well, um, I would say to then, pet psyches, but he's not wanting to be with me. Oh, snap. I would say at large is the best, uh, probably the best term you could use there then. That's, uh, that's one I hold like near and dear to presence? my heart. Definitely. What's that? You don't like not sharing my presence? You don't like that? <laughs> um, the is currently not sharing my presence. Well, that sounds, uh, very whimsical. So I guess you could go with that. It's just that, uh, Who, you know, <laughs> oh, never, not that, of course not. Um, being at large is something I've been uh, known to do in the past and uh, like possibly even right now. So, uh, you know, that's well, one I definitely I can some... get into. What's that? I, I have some questions for you. Oh, and I'm, I'm sure. I'm, it's just that I'm, I'm worried about you and I'm worried about this band. I just wonder how much longer. Can you keep running? That's the thing. We don't know. There's only one way to find out, right? You keep running. Yeah, you just got to keep on running, staying at large and doing whatever, you know, like we got hideouts. We're not always, I mean, I guess we're all at large if you got a hideout and nobody knows where it is, but you know, we just keep on going and like, uh, what's to say, you know, that's, uh, what's, who's to say that's wrong? Like, uh, you know, uh, we got Officer Bradford. He knows where we are sometimes. So there's that. Well, well, and I, I want to pinpoint this a little bit. Uh, first, I want to say I don't judge about crime because I, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm assuming that all the, the crimes you've committed in the past are things like, you know, stealing a vase from a millionaire's home and are they really going to miss it? And I'm sure that That's you're not right. breaking windows and terrorizing people. I mean, I'm sure these are all the kinds of crimes you would see, for instance, uh, on a Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah, Scooby-Doo is tight. And usually, you know, we're always wearing masks, except we don't let those uh, those damn kids interrupt our plans and take off the mask at the end of the episode. That's the thing. Uh, there's no, uh, what, what do they call them? Like the mystery mobile dudes or whatever. And, uh, you know. The mystery the, machine. Yeah, the mystery machine. But like the group, did they have a name or was it just... The mystery machine was the van, right? That was the van, and they were Scooby Doo, and yeah. I don't think they had. I don't think their little outfit had a name. It wasn't like Josie and the Pussycats, for instance. Right, which Josie and the Pussycats is also tight, but um, I don't know. It's like maybe if we had Scooby Doo around right now, uh, we wouldn't be at large so much because they would try to catch us, 
And I think this could be a good uh, idea for a movie. And maybe James Gunn is listening, and he needs to do Scooby Doo three, and we could be in it. Maybe Martin Scorsese is 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 listening, and it could be gritty, oh, yeah. almost like um, Mean Streets, but with Max with masked intruder. That's true, and he's into that like CGI de ageifying stuff now. So maybe we could get into that too. Make a make a mask look like we we washed him with Tide or something, and they, the colors came back and stuff. And it's like, it's fun, and there's parts where you're partying, you know, but then somebody says something off, and you just, and then somebody shoots you in the face. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the way those movies work. It's real good. I believe that's the way the mob works, too, which is like why I think, uh, you know, we don't really want to get into the mob. I mean, mob movies is cool and stuff, but when it comes to organized crime, I think we're about as organized as we're going to get. And uh, that's not very organized. So, uh, you know. Scorsese's cool. I like those movies, but they're definitely way too complicated for anything we could try to pull off. Um, but yeah, I like this. I like where we were going with this. And then, but but uh, I'm, I'm assuming all of your crimes are in the past, and you're now fleeing from the law of these crimes. You're not committing new crimes. Please, please pledge to me that you're not committing new crimes in Trudor Green. Please. I would, I would plead, I would pledge the fifth on that. That's what I would have to pledge. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, I would definitely say that any crimes I ever committed are only alleged anyway. Um, even the ones that I might, may or may not have gone to prison for. So, uh, you know, like. Uh, and I would gladly be a character witness. I would stand, sit up on the stand with oh. a, wearing all black with a, a scarf over my head that says he's a good boy. He I would love that. Yeah. He brought me flowers. He brought me flowers. And I would actually bring you flowers too. That would make both of our days, I think. And then you would be at the witness stand with your hair very perfectly combed with like pomade in it's it. It's always you know, perfectly nice combed. Suit, which I would buy you. Yeah. yeah. I always perfectly comb my hair. Usually people can't see it because of the mask, but it's definitely there and it's always perfectly combed. I love that pomade. <laughs> yeah, I use it now, a lot. As for, as for Scooby-Doo, I don't know about a mascot for you all. Of course, I have Carlisle as my missing mascot, but he's, his presence is, is there nonetheless. Non-corporeal yeah. presence. But you have Officer Bradford. That's and this true. is what I don't understand. He's pursuing you. His goal is to catch you, and yet he's on stage with you. And so that is very is very interesting. I find it a very rich experience to watch that well that's the thing about officer bradford is like sometimes he's pursuing us but then sometimes he's just like our our what do you call it like a po or a parole officer i think i heard it called a po at some parole officer yeah that's what those letters sound stand for yeah, yeah. so uh it's not exactly like a parole officer but kind of like that. Basically, he just has to be with us and make sure we're not committing crimes when we're on tour. And that's the way we get to do that. But, uh, yeah, other times he really is just trying to chase us down. And, uh, you know, we got teamwork going for us, whereas he's just on his own. And he he don't get a gun no more because I think the last time he had one uh, was when we shot that music video. And it just slipped out of his hand because he got real drunk. And, like, I think he shot red. So, uh you know, he don't get that no more. Um, I, he, he had some mace one time, but that ran out. And uh, I don't know. Then he just punched me in the face instead. So uh, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes he catches up to us. But, you know, the system, lucky for us, the system is broken. So uh, we get to take advantage of that sometimes. Even so, It even works out for us sometimes, not just like, uh, you know, your Donald Trumps and guys like that of the world. But I think in Trudor Green, just I think when people say the system is broken, they mean, for instance, that 1.2 million people are in prisons and there's racially disparate impacts. And I don't think they mean that the system is broken. Hooray. You know, oh, like yeah. kind of charm bandits can get away with crimes on tour. Yeah, I guess I mean it like the system is broken. Hooray. But not for the same reasons. Yeah. Different reasons. Oh. And I could say on the stand, I could say, if he stole anything, he stole my heart. That's right. I would like that. I would appreciate you right? saying that. In fact, the fact that you said that on a podcast, I think I could take that sound clip out and just uh, use that anytime I'm uh, being interrogated or whatever in the courtroom. Yeah. 
I, I'm there anytime. Now, another point. Um, okay, so thank you for clarifying the role of Officer Bradford. I have an idea for a song for your group. Oh yeah. Um. So often, so often, um, uh, criminal antisocial behaviors accompanied by substance use disorders. Oh yeah. And um, I I think you could write a song called Sober House. Sober and, House. Um, Officer Bradford could be the sober house manager. Right. And there could be all a verse about having to pee in a cup and things like that and how you're all stuck in this sober house. Oh, yeah. And we're trying to get out. Yeah, you can't get out. Keep relapsing. (laughs) I was thinking we try to get out because we want to get booze. But yeah, we keep relapsing. That sounds like a real sad song. But uh, I guess it's it's more true to life. Maybe when we do like the concept album, when we're all like, uh, well, I guess every album we do is a concept album a little bit. Uh, and they're all 100% serious, but like uh, that one would be extra like brutal. Like, remember, I don't know if you're, I know you're like more of a, a metal type person, um, but see, I, you know, we're obviously in the punk rock realm of things. And I remember when Rancid came out with their second self titled album, and it was like way more hard than the rest of their stuff. And that would be like the one that we do. And what except, was it? What was it? What was what? The, what was it? What was the, the What was the album again? Rancid. When they they did like yeah a, they came up with a yeah I don't remember what year it was. Song. Well, they came out with a serious album. Well, all the albums are pretty serious, I guess. But like they they did one that was like way more harder and stuff. And uh, yeah, that would be like us doing that. Oh, are you gonna play some more music? I have an idea for a song for you, okay? Oh, that sounds great. I would love to hear it. Ready? His name's Intruder Green. He's the one cannot ever be seen. And he walks alone. He's the only one. He walks alone. This is for your solo album. His name's Intruder Green. Intruder Green is Intruder Green. Something like that. Something catchy. I am in true to green. So it's that's also true to life. I, I like it. And it sounds a little bit like a Green Day song, but I think I could get away with green. it. Because they rip green. off Green. Exactly. It's Green's Day. I think that's the name of the song. Just change your uh have your create a band and call it Intruder Green Day. That's what I should probably do. You're right. That would that be a solo project? I don't know. It's too early to tell. But uh, I like the idea, and I will definitely use that. I'm glad we're recording this, because you're coming up with all sorts of ideas that I need to utilize, especially in the age of corona, when nobody can do nothing, like going on tour. Has this affected you, by the way, the whole corona outrage uh, that's going on? Like, Yeah. Yeah? Yes, and I, I, I think we should talk about it only a little bit, simply because I think this is an opportunity to give people a break from it. I a agree. podcast such as this. I absolutely especially agree. With, especially with two characters such as us. But um, yes, I had to cancel a show and I had some touring things, but I feel that they will all be moved a few months. I, I, I do believe in a few months we'll be back to normal yeah. and, and we have to live as such. Well, I hope so. It could be, you know, I hope we don't just keep kicking the can. Um, as of this being out, I think everybody, I don't know, I haven't been paying attention to know if how, how much people know about our dates getting canceled and moved and whatnot. But I know that it's happening, and I hope we don't just have to keep kicking the can because I don't know when it's going to be over with or everything. Um, but it's amazing, like how uh, you know everybody's trying to like figure out other stuff to do, and uh, you know we got the internet, so it's like as much as it sucks, it's kind of like the best time in the history of the world to uh, have this situation because uh, you know yes. the internet. So absolutely. Now I have another. Uh, another point to bring up, which I yeah. think is rather funny, is you recorded a video called, I think, called All My Love. Is that the right title? That's right. That's one All of our songs. Love. Yeah. All right. And you recorded it at the Southern Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. That was that was a really cool place. That's right. Now, because I, I, I performed there. Um, oh, cool. And I just, I recognized it. I recognized the lights around the um, the archway. Oh, yeah. And the floor, and the flooring, because it's a dance space. How did you come about to film that, at that space? Um, well, that was basically, uh, 
Jake Brown from Pianoise, uh, I think he was the one who lined it all up, uh, got us in touch with the, the producer of the music video, or director, I guess, uh, of the music video. And uh, they had, like, they just had it all set up. And uh, it worked for us because, I don't know if you notice, know but lots of times we're hanging out in uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. That's kind of, well, uh, in any way near there. We're always kind of like around about there uh, as far as our hideouts and stuff goes. So, you know, uh, Minneapolis is right near there. And uh, so that worked out great. And uh, the venue, yeah, that was a great place to do something like that. It has kind of like a classic look to it that I think they were looking for. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's always nice to visit Minneapolis too. I don't know what you think about that city, but I love it. I spent five years there and that's where my creative adventure began. Oh, really? Roughly 10 years ago, I was in Minneapolis. I had fled Boston. I'd fled a kidnapping attempt against me and Carlisle. Holy shit. Only to move to Minnesota and then he ran away. Oh. But uh, yes, so I did, I lived in a be beautiful, beautiful, beautiful home in, in Minneapolis and just began exploring expression at open mic nights and yeah. uh, cafes. And uh, and then originally I was only playing the guitar a little bit. And then I began to play the guitar more and more. And But that wasn't until I left. I moved back to New York. So, so, uh, so you were yes, like fully fledged. So you were like uh, a full like person by the time you started playing guitar? Because... That's crazy yeah. sounding to me because, like, I started playing when I was a little kid, and uh, I still kind of suck at it, but you're amazing at it, <laughs> so I guess maybe there's still hope that if I actually decided to start practicing, I could be, like, real good and, like, write all sorts of shreddy metal riffs and stuff. Well, what's important for your playing style is that you are in the pocket with your bass player and the drummer, and I hear all that when I listen to your music, so you're A-OK. -okay. Yeah, that's And true. everyone is called to express different things on the instrument based on the style of music that they create or innovate. So some people like to do a lot of playing fast or lead playing but some people, it's they're not called to it. There's no compulsion that anyone should play guitar that way at all. It really is up to you. Yeah. Oh, that's so whimsical, Mrs. Smith. I appreciate that. And, You're uh, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so you were in uh, Minneapolis. You, you in spending like five years there. You say. Uh, Yes, performing anywhere that they would have me. Um, community, condo complex, community rooms, uh, drag bars, vaudeville shows, burlesque shows. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, it seems I like a good city for that, too, because it's like a, it's a pretty big city. Like, people don't think of, uh, you know, it being, you know, it's not New York, it's not L.A., but it's like a good-sized city. It's got a lot going on there, right? Like, that seems like a good breeding ground for anybody to, like, kind of come up. And, you know, like, they obviously had a good, real good punk scene there for a while. So, yeah, that's that's interesting that you got your roots there, kind of. It's very manageable. It's a very yeah. manageable city. And I was building my act and building my stage moves, um, my stage costumes. Oh, yeah. Um, which songs I would play. And so I was just... I was really workshopping, and then I felt called to return to New York. I've lived in New York a couple times, and so I felt called to return to New York. I had an off-Broadway show that I did, oh, wow. and then that collapsed um, into interpersonal calamity. Oh, no. And I separated from a co-creator, and I was awash. I was washed up again, washed up yet again um, mm -hmm. on Cape Cod, Provincetown, Massachusetts. Oh, snip. I heard and that's I began a nice playing place, guitar though. on the sidewalk. Oh. Yep. And that was where I started playing guitar on the sidewalk, and that created the whole guitar adventure. Well, that's great. I mean, that's amazing. Um, so what you, what exactly are your live shows like? Because I've seen you. I, I honestly, I've, I'm only familiar with your uh, social media uh, presence. I've obviously never seen you live. But from what I know, you're just a kick-ass shredder who's looking for a cat but what else is there like what what can i expect from a live show well that i'm also a singer a i'm also a singer oh yeah 
Oh, what's that? I guess yes, I've I heard you sing, sing before, so, too. I should have said that as well. So I lead, when I perform in New York, I have a band. Oh. I have a full band, oh. and they're all progressive rockers, so they can really play. Oh, yeah. And we do a mix of uh, originals, which tend to be in the kind of shred guitar, uh, comedic. You know, I have my song Cat Jam. I have a song I do called The Bob Ross Technique. Oh. And we kill those, and there's videos that go with them, video projections. Nice. And then we do covers, but sort of rejiggered covers. So we do songs by ABBA, Taylor Swift, Metallica, Van Halen, Joe Satriani. That's great. But they all have a twist. Yeah. And then there's a lot of improvisation. Um, now, the venue will dictate how much comedy is interspersed in the show. So if I'm doing a uh, show at, say, Joe's Pub at the Public Theater, yeah. that is more of a cabaret show. And so I would do more storytelling. But if I'm at the Bowery Ballroom, uh, you know, it's going to be more like a concert with with physical physical movements. And uh, so it's uh, but when I tour, I typically tour solo and I perform with backing tracks just for the affordability of it and the portability of it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I do all kinds. I mean, I've done different types of shows. Sometimes I do, I'm an opener, you know, um, or sometimes I do. Uh, a full cabaret evening. So it ver depends on the venue and the audience. That's great. Oh, well, now I need to know if you're ever coming to Europe. Have you have you done Europe? Well, I'm set to be in Ireland. I have been in Europe. I did uh, Vienna and Italy. Um, I did a tour, a clinic tour in Italy. I'm set to perform in Ireland in September. And I'm just hoping that... Yeah it's going to be maintained, you know, and then from there, there'll be some kind of a uh, European tour. We hope. Yeah. That, well, you should do it. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 uh, hiding out in somewhere in Germany right now. I won't say exactly where to protect, uh, you know, the innocent or whatever. And, but, uh, I would love to see if you come here and that would be great. Uh, yeah, I, I love, uh, you know, like touring now, around how in did Europe. You end up, <laughs> how did you end up, Germany. Um, you know, just uh, run in front of cops, basically. Um, actually, not even so much running from the cops as much as like, um, the laws here. Uh, they're kind of like, in some ways, more strict than in the states. But I'm less afraid of getting shot. So it's like you know, uh, you can like uh, rob a liquor store or something. And, uh, you know, they won't, like, the cops won't, like, put a toy gun on you and shoot you and be like, hey, he had a gun. Oh, it was a toy? Well, I guess I can't tell the difference. I'm just a cop. Whoop-de-doo. And then, you know, they get away with, like, murder and stuff. Uh, that don't really happen here as much. So it's kind of like for my own good in a way that I can still, like, be the person that I am and not have to worry about uh, dying you know, early. That's kind of the main, the gist of it, basically. His name's Intruder Green. That's right. And he fled so far to Germany. Yeah. He fled there so he can commit his crimes more freely. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Like nobody's really done music on this uh, podcast before, and uh, you know, it's it's a funny thing because I think you know people when they listen to podcasts, they're like, "Oh, I listen to music all the time. I want to get away from that. And listen to people talking." But why not have both? Yes, and what do people mostly talk about on your podcast? Just with the music, they talk about music. Um, yeah, it depends on who I have on, you know, like, uh, people probably noticed that I like to try to like get a little bit of, uh, well, everything really like, uh, I try to get people that are behind the scenes. Uh, like, uh, last time I, I did this, I had on our, uh, I think the last episode was Anka Kramer, who was our first uh, tour manager, the first, uh, time first two times we came over to Europe as Mass Intruder. And, you know, like, she's she's uh, working for, like, a big company now and everything. So I kind of talked to her about, like, how the coronavirus and all that is ha is uh, affecting things over here in general or, or the world in general. 
um, because, you know, it's putting a lot of people out of work and all that. And again, you know, I don't want to get too into that now because it's all anybody's fucking talking about these days. But uh, I also, yeah, you know, I try to like hit up friends who are in bands and stuff. And they're the hottest fucking ones to get a hold of, to be honest, because like, you know, they're always on tour and it's like sometimes you meet up on tour or you have a tour with people and it's like, oh, yeah, we got to do that podcast. And then every night it's like, dude, I'm tired. I don't want to talk <laughs> right now. And, you know, it happens. But, uh, you know, I, I try to mix it up a little bit and try to get some people that are behind the scenes and also the people who are always on stage performing and whatnot. And, yeah, we do. And when you tour with people. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, yeah, we do generally talk about the music and the music industry, but I also like to dig, you know, into people's lives and like find out more about them. And I would love to find out more about you as far as like what spurred you on to playing guitar and everything. I know that you were going to go with something else. So like, let's cover that first. Well, what, when you tour with people, do you get, is it like summer camp where you have a bosom friend? (laughs) <laughs> on the bus and then you think you're going to be really close and then they don't return your calls uh yeah a little bit not really i mean people are pretty cool these days but i know you know i do the same thing with people where it's like shit i really want to get in touch with this person and like they fucking message me and i want i really want to respond but i don't know exactly what to say because maybe they ask me a question that has to do with like scheduling something and i'm like I don't know, so I'm just gonna not respond right now. But I've got, I've got, <laughs> you know, I do that all the time. Yeah, I think everybody probably does, but I've gotten better at it. Where I'm just like, well, you know what, bud, I don't know right now, and that's my answer. Um, but I definitely do want to like do something um, because you know it's important to keep you know people uh, that you care about uh close to you and one way of doing that is not just blowing them off and being like hey i don't have time to like give you a definite answer right now but i'm responding so you know i didn't just like you know lose your number or something yes we have to approach not avoid exactly Uh, but sometimes people say things where where they say you know we where, where i say to them about a podcast um i don't think you did this but like oh when do you want to do it Oh, anytime. When do you want to do it? Oh, God. You know, yeah. I don't know. And especially right now, because I have so much free time, and it's sort of like I could do it anytime, but maybe I don't want to do it. And I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, it's like, fun. you could do it anytime, but you could do anything anytime. So it's like, yeah, well, we're not going to do it right now, so maybe tomorrow, but then tomorrow comes, and you're like, shit, I started doing something else instead. Let's not do it today, or something. I don't know. You know, it's 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 hard to set priorities and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's 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 such a weird thing right now, especially because it's like it's hard to set priorities. You don't you don't know what you're gonna be wanting to do from day to day, and uh, it, exactly. it goes for everybody, I think. But we got on this. Wait, are you still there? Yes. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, but we got on. Uh, we we got this together pretty quick. I've been. I've definitely got some some buds that like are people I talk to regularly that I know would be into doing it, and they're just like, yeah, they're doing that. They're just kicking the can down the road and being like, wait, let's do it then. Let's do it now. Let's do it later. And uh, you know, come on, guys, knock it off. Come yeah. on, get on board. Well, that's the other thing is, uh, you know, I I started doing this uh, about a year ago, and back then it was like, you know. I'm trying to get this fucking side hustle going for like when Master Truder ain't on tour or whatnot, or like when we are on tour, I'll meet some cool dudes and like we'll we'll, we'll get some good podcasts going um, and uh, stuff I can put out later. Uh, and then you know I was only doing it like two episodes a month, but now my whole thing for this year was I want to do it once a week, and then I don't know, you know, stuff happened, life got crazy. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, it's the end of the, it's the end of January and I ain't done a fucking episode yet. And so now I'm getting on it though. People are starting to like, people are starting to call me, which is cool. Um, And yeah, it's kind of like getting in gear. And now that the, everything is on lockdown, it's kind of like, I got plenty of other stuff to do, but other people don't. So uh, hopefully we can make more of this happen. 
Uh, and it's a good way to pass the time, you know, like uh, sometimes maybe people just want to have a conversation on in the background and they're sick, sick of having a TV on or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if people even have TVs these days. Do you have a TV? Well, I am I am nesting. I'm seeking. I'm in refuge. Oh, yeah. Uh, with a young, uh, young artist friend who I patronize. And nice. he's a documentary filmmaker. And I am I am in his front room in Brooklyn. Now, he just received a television from his father, oh. uh, a big screen TV. And every night we watch films. This probably worth a lot of money. Films, I mean films. You know, yeah. We watch one film a night. We've watched foreign films. We're exploring the Criterion Collection. Oh, yeah. That's uh, good we stuff. watched The Player the other night. We're really trying to keep it interesting. You yeah. know, not just, not just Marvel movies. Netflix is such a drain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, anyway... We do now have a TV, a television. All right. So how much do you think it's worth on eBay? I don't know. We just got it. We don't want to sell it yet. Well, now we have been watching movies it. on a computer, but maybe we could get rid of that computer. Well, I mean, yeah, you could make a choice, but you use your computer for other things, probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, whatever you want to get rid of, I will be. I, I know a guy. <laughs> well, I, you know, that's the thing. I think Intruder Green. I think it's yeah. I'm just going to call you Green. I, you know, Green, yeah, you I think that. it's so a good idea to keep things professional between us, you know. And That's so probably right. If it relates to the music business, I'm happy to refer you to any colleagues. For instance, if you need guitar strings or an endorsement of some sort. Oh, I definitely um, could likewise. use that. But as far as, you know, cash, you know, exchanging cash, especially over wire transfer to Germany, I just think it's better to just... I, I, you know, not to, I'm going to say, I'm going to put up a boundary, a loving boundary yeah. uh, and say, no, thank you. Okay. I, that I will take that because it's a loving boundary. I hate those boundaries that aren't loving. Like, you know, when people try to build walls and stuff, those ones suck, but I will take a loving boundary. I would, I appreciate that. And you being straight up with me about those things. Um, well, I'm guessing I'm guessing that you come from a household with no boundaries, and uh, and so just I'm just throwing this per little psychological profile together based on what I know of you, which oh, is that yeah, you're an international criminal, you flee the law, you also have ambivalent relationships with them. On one hand, you run from authority; on the other hand, you ingratiate yourself to authority, have authority on the road with you doing striptease dances. So hey, I think there's a very, obviously a rich psychological profile, but I'm going to guess you grew up without boundaries. Little Green uh, did not know, uh, you know, how to say no or yes, or when to say no or yes. Yeah, that's probably true. Hi, Intruder Maniacs. Are you in a band? The answer is, of course you are. Everybody's in a fucking band these days. Anyway, if you're in a band, congratulations. I'm making the worst financial decision of your life, aside from taking out college loans or something. Yeah. Now, there is a way to lessen the burden of such a financial decision. It's called merchandising. And Stupid Rap Merch Company is all ready to meet your merchandising needs. You want uh, some t-shirts? Uh, you want got a tight deadline you need them printed on? And because you booked a tour less than a month out and uh, didn't get canceled like everybody else's tours did. Uh, how about a bunch of weird random trinkets like keychains, uh, medallions, and what about koozies? You know, like everybody likes koozies. Koozies are great because they keep your drink cold and your hand warm or vice versa, depending on what you're drinking. Stupid Red Merch Company can get all these made for you. Stupid Red Merch Company is an in-house artist who can help you with your designs and stuff. They're still a small enough company that uh, they pay special attention to you and your special needs. Because, you know, everybody's got special needs. Like, uh, you know, you probably mostly. And uh, they even got a web store. That's where the real magic is. You go on tour and you sell your stuff. But chances are you're going to have some leftover. Or some fans are going to feel like left out because they didn't have enough money to buy something at your show. So they go on a stuporedmerch.com and find stuff from your band on there. They'll take care of all your production and shipping fulfillment needs. So go ahead, go on a stupored merch company web store right now and uh, check out all the tight bands that are already on there. They got a bunch of them, like got uh, the Bomb Pops and like the Bad Cop, Bad Cop and stuff. It's all good. Uh, yeah, uh, all sorts of cool swag. And uh, right now. Right now, if you go on there and you, at checkout you use the code Prison, you can get 15% off. All of the uh, Stupid Red merch branded apparel uh, at stupidredmerch.com. Go check it out. Stupid Red merch .com.
players. I bet you thought you were shit out of luck when it comes to finding your dream guitar or amp. You know, you go on some auction site or something and it's all crap. <laughs> yeah, well that's because, you know, you gotta look in the right place. And the right place is Yeah Man's Vintage and Used Guitars. They got exactly what you're looking for. Now I know what you're thinking. Aren't they located in like Switzerland or something? Yeah man, they are. Burn Switzerland to be exact. But you know, you can um, get on the internet and you can go check out the website, yeahmansguitars.com, and uh, you can order stuff on there. So, uh, you know, it don't really matter where the heck you are in the world. You can just get on their website and uh, find all sorts of cool stuff that you're looking for. And you might not even know that you wanted it until you see it on there, and it's a lot of good stuff. Uh, if you got something specific you're looking for and need some help finding it, just hit up Yeah Man Guitars on the electronic mail. That's the email. It's like 21st century and you got email and websites. It's like amazing. Some people would call it magic. Some people would call it science. I just call it, I don't know, crazy shit. Uh, yeah Man's Guitars at gmail.com. As far as email goes, it's where you email them. And while you're at it, get your band a tour in Europe and stop by the shop. Michael and the rest of the crew would love to meet you, I'm sure, and you could tell them Green sent you. Yeah, man's vintage and used guitars. I don't remember the past too good because of all the partying and, and, and being on tour and stuff, but yeah, I would say that's about right. And uh, and, and that's true for me as well. That's yeah. true for me as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that kind of, for a lot of people who are into uh, showbiz, as I like to call it, because as much as it's about music, you know, like, we started out in a punk rock band. I, it, you know, I like to do like comedy and stuff too, and like be on stage, and uh, you know, whatever I could do to like, uh, I don't know, not just to be the center of attention, but to like, uh, eh, sort of like move people, I guess you could say. It's like, uh, you know, it's like with making movies. It's like, what are you doing? You're moving people. What are you doing when you make music? You move people. It's like you move them with their emotions, and sometimes they dance, or sometimes they, like, get in their seat, and they're on the edge of the seat, and they're, you know, they're moving. Um, so it's like anything I can do like that, that's showbiz. And I feel like that is a lot of what people go through uh, in their early lives to end up being in showbiz. It's like, maybe it's that whole like thing where you just run a big gamut of emotions uh, early on and it, you're kind of trained to like, I don't know, recognize that or maybe you don't recognize that and you just don't have any, uh, maybe you, it's like a loss of filters and stuff. I don't know. Do you got any ideas about that? Because I'd be, love to fuck to get to the bottom of this. There's a fantastic book called The Soul's Code by James Hillman, who's a post-Jungian thinker. And um, I had an analyst who was analyzed by his analyst's analyst. Yeah. And what he said, you know, what we don't, we just don't know. It's a chicken and egg problem because creativity, the create, the creative ability also tracks with neuroticism. It tracks yeah. with anxiety. People who are creative are also very anxious people. Now, did the anxiety cause the creativity? Is the creativity cause the anxiety? Is it a childhood issue? It may be a little bit of both, yeah. but they do correlate. Now, what I take away from that for myself is the openness and the ability to sort of drill down into the interesting idea mentally, the neurological activity is somewhat similar to my ability to drill down to the worst possible result of any given situation, i.e. anxiety. Oh, yeah. That is how anxiety works, isn't it? I never even really thought about yeah, that. Yeah, and so what you hope is that you can rein in one and let leave the other. And I, I've been, you know, a lot of us are on medication. A lot of us have diagnoses. I personally, I am, I am bipolar. Yeah. And you just work with it. You know, you try to not sort of cauterize the good stuff, but sure. sort of dampen down the the mood swings for me it tends to be mood swings you know oh yeah sure i yeah i oh, oh, oh i know what you mean totally and now do you feel like being on medication has ever like hindered you or anyone you know from like being creative because sometimes people try there, to self-medicate too and that can be worse you know it's very hard and I would never judge anyone for self-medicating because sometimes people just have to reach for what 
they think will work. I would sure. urge them, stop, be careful, yeah. because you can end up dead these days. The drugs yeah. are very dangerous. Um, but I would never judge anyone for whether it's food or whether it's sex or whether it's work or people or everyone's doing the best they can. For myself, I have had experiences where psychiatric medications have been very destructive. Oh, I will yeah. not lie. It is true. Like prescribed Doctors stuff. will not agree with you. What's oh, that? Yeah. You mean like prescription stuff, like stuff that's totally legal. You got it like a doctor gave it to you. Yes, that the doctor said will help you with your mental problems. And I took it and went bonkers. Oh, I went yeah. berserk. And they will say, oh, no, that's the illness breaking through. No, I know what my typical mindset is. And I know when I've got something going on. So you do when and I'm not I'm not saying that to dissuade people, but it's to say when you begin to work with these medications, do so in a stable situation, your living situation, your relationships. You should have a therapist. Um, when I finally got stable, I had a counselor, a social worker, and a psychiatrist. It took a team, and it was yeah. after several hospitalizations. So it can take a team, but just be aware. Watch. Have other people. Am I acting? Am I acting strange? Because these medications can trigger mania they can trigger real yeah. additional problems yeah and i had to go through all of them all the antidepressants all the antipsychotics until i found the ones that work for me sure i believe it to be true so with that journey in mind does that lead you to possibly be more creative having to go through all that or is it just a fucking bummer i have my most creative times in my life have been when i've been properly stabilized yeah and medicated but i tend to be on lower doses than normal yeah. people and there is unfortunate breakthrough of symptoms um but i don't want to be snowed by the medication but my experience was when i was properly medicated and treated my productivity went off the charts i was because the illness prevents me from focusing yeah it distracts me the idea is that i'm going to be in thrall of some time i'm not the type that has a manic episode where I create and create and create. It's not. It's not like that. Uh, my. It's different. You know, for me, I can't be productive because I'm so distracted. So when it quiets down and I can sit still, I can get something done. I I believe that to be true. I feel like I'm in the same boat. I've never been on uh, medication for anything, but I I feel like I can uh, understand what you're saying right now. Absolutely. Um, well, I've never talked about this. It's yeah. green. Oh, shit. Really? I do this sometimes. It's probably because I don't really fucking prepare for these interviews too good. Like, <laughs> um, and sometimes it bites me in the butt, but sometimes uh, it leads us to where we are right now with a new song. His name's Intruder Green. That's right. Get you to talk about your meds on a podcast now. I think it is a hit. I think uh, maybe I should take all those bits that you've done so far and I'll fucking glue them together or however it works. I don't know. Maybe I need to like print it out on laser print and put all the sound waves together and then like run it back through and then it'll make the song happen again. Is that how copy and paste works? I don't know. But yeah, and then it'll be like a full song. It'll I last like twenty whole seconds. What's that? Now, now tell me, do you, do you record the riffs into a computer? Is that how you share your riffs across the miles? Um, no. Uh, we well, it we haven't really done it yet. I mean, we did the last album. Oh, God damn, was that like two years ago? We recorded that last album uh, a year before we actually released it. I think. Or it might not have been a whole year, but it was like a, a while. And uh, it was kind of weird because we went for so long without doing an album. And then we did that one. And then we waited even longer to actually release it. Uh, but yeah, I haven't uh, been over here that long. Um, and honestly, the way we kind of do things more is, uh, I don't know. I find out when it's time to do stuff, I come and show up and... Uh, we figure out whether or not yellow's in prison 
or if uh, purple's coming with this on this one, um, which is great, you know, I take take you to one. They're both great. I would love to figure out a way that we could have them both on tour, actually. But, uh, you know, yeah, I just kind of show up. And then, like, if we got songs to work on, we work on them. And uh, we go into the studio. We do a little bit of writing in the studio, too, especially with uh, Roger from Less Than Jake. He did a last, uh, well, he did the last album and he did the last EP. And, uh, you know, he's so open to being experimental with stuff that uh, we end up doing a lot of stuff in the studio. And I guess we always kind of have, even uh, with the first two albums, we did a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. It's The creative process, it's always changing for us. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I like I like to, like, not have any specific way to do it. We just kind of, like, you know, figure it out as we go. How about you? What's your creative just, process? Just, oh, my creative process. Well, I write... I write with the live experience in mind. Oh, that's good. I write into the computer. I'm still learning. I'm learning how to make beats. Yeah. I'm going to take the Timbaland Masterclass. Oh, I got a, a free pass to the Masterclass series. Are you going to do like a um, hip-hop a social R&B service album? Agency. I'm not going to do hip-hop, I don't, but I'm interested in beats yeah. that aren't confined to a drummer. Sure, I believe in that. Um, and my... So my my what I will probably do is write the demos. I'm writing demos right now. I'll write the demos, and then we will work on them with the band. Yeah. To loosen them up and then record. Yeah. Uh, but I need good. to start getting really productive really soon. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> do you got like deadlines coming up or something? Uh, they are not. They won't be specific with me. There's like, well, oh. you should be doing demos and. Yeah. And then, um, there's, well, if, there there's, is if they're deadline, record people, I they think. probably always want you to be doing demos. They're like, come out with more product for us to sell. Right. Well, and I don't know what you think of this, but I feel that the the whole schedule, it's basically always on with social media. I, yeah, I mean, these days. I was going very hardcore on social media and then I collapsed last year. I oh, had to yeah. stop. I stopped posting for about a month because it's just this, this expectation by the fans that you're always going to be posting every day and entertaining them, but they don't pay for any of this stuff. That's right. I know. That's the crazy thing. It's like, I wish I could make money with that, but, you know, like, you know, whatever. But maybe it'll happen someday. I'm not an influencer yet. <laughs> got to get to that. Got to right. get to that level, you know? But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. No, uh, I like that you say, oh, wait, no. <laughs> I'm having too many thoughts here. I will say, as far as like uh, thinking about drums that aren't re re reclined or refined to a drummer, yeah, um, there is one beat on uh, one of the Mass Intruder albums that uh, <laughs> we totally put in like extra drum beats, uh, and Red had to go back and learn them later. <laughs> He did it like while we were practicing live, and it was obviously a major pain in his butt. But he got it. So uh, ah, yeah, if anybody he got it, oh, he didn't have to do it track. He no, no, he figured it out. He figured no, he it out, and uh, I couldn't believe he figured it out when it when it finally happened. And now he can just do it like in his sleep. But uh, you know, when he first got it, I was like, holy crap. This is the best drummer I will ever, ever want to drum with. I'm not going to say Red's the best drummer in the world because he's definitely not. But he's like probably the best drummer as like a creative person that I've ever got to, uh, you know, play with and ever would want to, honestly. Like, sure, I'll play with other drummers and I would love the chance to play like, well, you just recently played with like Kirk Hammett, right? I saw that on the internet. What, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have been saying for years that I'm the number one abuser of the wah-wah pedal. Oh, um, yeah. To your listeners who don't know, the wah-wah pedal is that wow-wow-wow-wow-wow yeah, kind of brown uh, chicken, brown 70s sort of Jimi Hendrix sound. Yeah. That's exactly it. And I've been saying I'm the number one abuser of it because I love it. I can't keep my foot off of it. And people would <laughs> say, well, Kirk Hammett has the reputation of being the number one abuser. Oh, and I said, it's not true. I am, and I'll prove it. Uh, I challenged him to a wah-off. And he nice. saw that video and accepted the challenge. And it took us a year to get it all together because of his schedule is incredible. Yeah, there you but go. But I was very honored that the, 
that the many of the Metallica uh, logistics team really believed in this and wanted to make it happen and helped make it happen. It was great fun. That that sounds like fun. Oh man, that's that's great. But see, like you, it took you a year to do it, but you know, you kept the vision alive, and eventually it happened, and that's great. It's just like making podcasts, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get impatient. You know, you gotta, you got easy does it, but do it. That's right. But don't be impatient. That's right. <laughs> I believe it to be true. That's a good uh, metaphor for life. I think pretty much. Um. I would love to keep talking you to you forever because uh, I feel like there's so much more I want to know about you. But you know, we can like keep chatting on the social medias and stuff because I don't, you know, I try to make my podcast not too long because otherwise people are like, "Oh shit, this podcast is two hours. This is probably real interesting, but that's yeah. too long." You know, like it doesn't matter who you're they even talking to. They just want to listen to it while they do the dishes. Let's let's be honest. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but I did want to like give you a chance because there's two things that I want to cover uh, before we end. You did mention that you wanted to know more about Officer Bradford. I don't know if we covered him enough or if you got other questions you want to ask or what. Well, I'm worried about him. I'm worried about him because I think he's a very confused person. Now, <laughs> yeah. you, are, you, are, you are obviously a real-life person. I understand. I'm a real-life person. This is real life, after all. Absolutely. Um, I, I have, you know, you, I, everything you've said to me is believable and makes sense that you are who you are. That's right. Um. Officer Bradford, however, is on one hand uh, appears in your videos and in your live performances and in photographs as a law enforcement officer. Yeah. And then at other times, he appears as a young man who is a bartender at a, something called the Blackbird. Oh, yeah. And I've so seen those posts. this is confusing. This is confusing. <laughs> I would tell you that I'm just as, yeah well I would tell you that I'm just as confused because uh, but it could be a thing where this is what's wrong with America where like you know you talk about like police violence and everything and uh, why these cops are like taking out their anger on uh, maybe it's minorities or whatever they just gotta do this thing and it's it's very tragic and I don't mean to make light of that but you know it could be that there's not enough of a good life for these cops so that they feel the need to basically, I don't know what moonlight. the word is. To, to moonlight, well, yeah, but like some cops are like, oh, I'm going to be an asshole because I'm not getting uh, enough for my shitty job that is like real hard to do. Um, but other cops are just like, well, you know, I'll just also bartend or something like that. I think that's probably what but, it but is. Here's moonlighting. But no, yeah. no, Green. I think it's much worse than that. I think oh, it's shit. much worse than that because when it's not. If you, for instance, if I, there were photos of you working at Trader Joe's and they were just like, oh, look, Intruder Green has a day job. We would all be like, we love Intruder Green. We love Green or the German version of it. You know, Tata Jose. We would all be happy <laughs> that's for you. Probably a German. And word. we would understand. Yeah. You know, we would understand the music business. We wouldn't judge. It's not about the fact that Officer Bradford has. A job other than uh, being your parole officer is the fact that when he appears at this job, yeah. he appears as an entirely different person. He doesn't have his mustache, his face changes. He looks like his own little brother. Yeah, um, he, he's and and that I think points to something much more disturbing, almost a split personality. Oh man, that could be true. I mean, I don't know that that might be. I mean, I never really we've done some DJ gigs together. And he definitely lets loose a lot more then than when he's like just uh, even on stage. Well, that's the thing, though. He's he's definitely, you know, he's always like trying to keep us uh, grounded when we're on tour and stuff. But then, like you said, he gets on stage with us. And then, uh, well, you haven't seen us play live, though, yet. That might be oh, the I've thing that's the missing videos. Here. Believe me, I've watched the videos. All and right. I've seen, but you, have you I've, seen I've a full live show? Fantastic you guys are. And it's, it's, I'm just saying there's just something amiss. 
There's something amiss. Well, I agree, and not just because he's a cop. That uh, he's just a mysterious. Watch fellow. him when you watch him, please. Keep an eye on him. I'm worried. I'm oh, worried. We're watching him as much as he watches us. I, I guarantee that. He he might not believe it to be true, but it is true uh, because we have to. And, uh, you know, as much as we uh, complain about Officer Bradford because he's got a job to do and whatnot, and part of that job is being a party pooper, uh, sometimes, you know, like uh, he, he gets on stage and maybe he's got a little of that whiskey in him and he likes to go a little, little haywire, and then we really enjoy that. And ultimately, things could be a lot worse because, as I was talking about earlier, there's some cops that are just, they feel like uh, the need, you know, not that Officer Bradford's not a dick. I mean, he's a cop, so, you know, he's going to be a little bit that way. But it could be a lot worse. So, for us, we definitely have a, uh, what do you call it, like a, a, a vest, an interest vest, vested interest of... Uh, an interest vest. Yes, an interesting vest uh, in keeping him in our, uh, as our regular P.O., um, and plus, you know, like, I won't lie, the fact that we've been torn for, like, fuck, has it been, in, it's be, it's getting on to being close to a decade here, I, I think, um, you know, that, that definitely makes a difference, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice, it's nice to have a face that you know, even if he's a potty pooper sometimes, and I guarantee to you, I promise you, Mr. Smith, in fact, that we will keep an eye on him, and keep him, uh, you know, from doing anything too stupid, because everybody knows that we're real good at not doing stupid stuff. It's just it's it's all about who protects the protector. Yeah, who, who watches the watchman? The and that's all. And I'm gonna leave it there. I leave it there. I leave it there. All right. Well, I think I'll, everyone will appreciate your words on that. Um, the one other thing, unless there was something else you wanted to bring up. But I, I I changed this thing a while back because I used to do like would you rather questions like would you rather this or that, and those are fun. But um, obviously then they don't really have much to do with uh, my uh, show or uh, Mass Intruder or nothing. So now I've been uh, since somebody brought it up, I've been asking people about crime stories. Do you have any? Yes. Would you care to tell it? Do you I? Yeah. Do you, uh, where I have where, well the, the the most famous crime story I was a part of is that in the nineties I was kidnapped and held for ransom by a Norwegian death metal band and suffered the Stockholm syndrome. Oh my goodness! And that's how that is how I became the guitarist I am today. They kept me in a closet for three months with nothing but a guitar. Well, that would do and it. it was what's heartbreaking is that Patty Hearst really stole my thunder in the seventies because oh, it was a very yeah. Patty Hearstian story. Um, and so nobody was interested. I didn't get any press. I didn't get any attention. Nobody even showed up to the trial. Um, there wow. was a trial. There were crimes. Yeah. I didn't commit crimes. They did. I'm not to blame. They are. They died in a fire. Well, yeah, they're a Norwegian death metal band. That's probably the only way they can die. Yeah, well, I, as the flames, you know, of course, tears streaming down my face as yeah, they died because we had become close. Yeah. Tears. And, and, and so you in were my there. tears, of course, reflected the flame. Oh, yes. You know, and I just thought they died how they lived. I can see. they're where they wish to be, which is hell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I believe it to be true. And I can see that that's very visual. I, I wonder if that's an album cover that you need to dedicate to that band at some point. Or maybe that already happened. I don't mm -hmm. know. But uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Tears of fire. Tears of fire. Yeah, why not? That sounds painful. And it sounds like emotionally painful as well as physically painful. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you didn't die with them. Well, I mean, it was, it was hot. There was a lot of heat, but I was at a distance. I was on a hill. It was in, it was in the middle of the woods. So, I mean, I didn't, it didn't harm me. Yeah, all right. So, you weren't the perpetrator of this fire, were you? It I don't is, mean to put you on the spot. It's really not known. It's oh, not yeah. known. Yeah, how I know the how fire, that goes. It's just not known, and it, it happened so fast. And I, I, I ran out, and the door. There was no way to open the door. They were on the other side of the window. You know the screams, and something got locked. And I, I just, I, I just found myself backing up into the woods as it just went up. 
so oh, yeah. fast. It was so fast. And the fire inspector, he just, he couldn't make sense of it. He couldn't. And, and I was already gone. I was on a plane, you know, so. Yeah. What are you going to do? No way. Back to New York or wherever. That sounds yeah, good. To New York. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to bring up before we uh, end this, but uh, I think it's about that time. No, I just I hope our our paths cross. I think I think uh, Mrs. Smith, Mass Intruder, oh for sure, fun on some festival bill. I would love to hop on stage and sing a song. Oh um, yeah, and we could definitely make that shred happen, with sure. you guys anytime, anytime. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it will happen. Um, no no telling what the timelines are going to be like these days, but uh, yeah, let me know when you're in Europe. Or you know, I'll keep I'll keep my uh, eyes and ears peeled to the social medias on that, and I uh, appreciate you and everything you do in a world of music and uh, the real world as well. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Green, and safety and health to you and yours, and to all your listeners. We're we're gonna get through this. It won't be easy, but we'll get through this. And and good times are ahead. I I am sure of it. So you take care. All right, you too. We'll talk to you soon. And that's it for the Intruder Green podcast. I want to thank Mrs. Smith again for being on it. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Intruder Green. The Intruder Green call-in line is plus 1608-535-9608. Patreon.com slash Intruder Green if you want to become a producer of the show. The Intruder Green podcast is produced by Colin Bennett, hair and makeup by Genevieve Smith, set design by Dylan Raymer, catering Matthew Hendershot, lighting squeak lights, Rahway, New Jersey. Our theme song is Particles by Tightrobes. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Also sickness. Oh my god, are you? <laughs> you can't be seen. Can't be seen. Because it's an audio podcast.